Welcome to Wednesday night service. Amen. Who is glad to be in the house of the Lord together tonight? Praise God. Well, you know, it is the first day of summer and aren't you glad it doesn't feel like summer? Is anybody with me on that? Yeah. And so it's the longest day of the year and we're going to have a wonderful time together in service tonight. And so um, there is no youth group next door tonight. We're going to have the teenagers in here with us, which I know may be a little different, but uh, we're just going to have them with us. We've still got a lot of our people out of town and a lot receiving healing. Uh, So they're going to, teens are going to be with us and I promise them that it is still going to be a really, really good time and they're going to love it. So, uh, and all of you guys are too. Praise God. Let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. We are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America, and then we will get into some announcements and get into the rest of our service. Amen. 
Let's say it together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, give the Lord some praise and you may be seated. Okay few announcements to get into tonight. Uh, tonight is communion uh, evening. Uh, it is the third Wednesday of the month. And so at the end of the service, we'll be receiving communion together. And I invite anybody online that they could take communion at home too and, uh, and partake of that with us. We don't want you to miss out on that. Uh, let's see here. Uh, our Honduras team is still down there uh, ministering in Honduras. And I was talking to Raymond last night. He is having the time of his life just loving Loving it, and uh, Miss Cindy, they're doing great down there. Uh, Pastor and Mrs. Pastor have returned to the United States, uh, so they aren't with us tonight, but they'll be here Sunday. And uh, just everything's going really, really awesome down there. Uh, but keep them in prayer as they finish up the trip on the 25th, okay? And then uh, a few other announcements here. Membership class is coming up. There's some pictures of the trip. Membership class is coming up on Sunday, July the 9th. And so we encourage you, if you are not a member and you would like to be a member, we would like for you to be a member. Uh, so sign up on the sheet right there. And, uh, you know, if man, maybe you've just been here a while and haven't ever made it official. But if you want to put down roots and say, hey, this is my home church, go ahead and sign up and we will do membership class on Sunday the 9th. All right. Also, um, I, I'm pretty sure we're, we're here, but we're looking at doing a church barbecue. Who likes barbecue? Yeah, come on. On uh, probably Sunday night, July 16th at 6 p.m. here at the church. So we'll, uh, we'll be getting a little more details out about that. But I was like, man, we need a good old-fashioned cookout together, barbecue with the family. Amen. And so anyway, we'll get you more details on that and probably get a, a, a sheet going around to sign up for some food. But we want to have a good time this summer with you. Praise God. And then also um, baptisms are going to be taking place on Sunday, July the 30th, uh, at, uh, probably at both services. So uh, we'll get a, a sign up sheet going for that soon also. But we just want you to be aware of that. And another more summer fun. I don't have a date on this yet, but we are looking at renting the city pool once again and throwing a big pool party. Amen. So who remembers that last year? I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but as we were swimming our hearts away in the pool, our church building was flooding 10,000 square feet of water. It was a beautiful night. But anyway, praise God. We made it through that and no more floods this year. Who is in agreement on that? Yeah? So no more floods. It's not going to happen again. We're going to have a great time at the pool. Amen. All right. Well, that is all the announcements we have for right now. So who knows what time it is now? Indeed it is. It is happy time. So if you need an envelope, raise your hand. The ushers will give you an envelope for your tithes and offerings. If you're giving online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. Let's open our Bibles tonight to Proverbs chapter 3. 
Who loves Proverbs 3 like I love Proverbs 3? Anyone? Yeah, all right. Oh, hey, well, Dave loves all the Proverbs, too. <laughs> all right, well, Dave's better than I am. No, I love all the Proverbs, too. They're all wonderful. But Proverbs chapter 3, I'm going to be in the King James, the KJV. Proverbs chapter 3, and we're going to look here at verses 5 and 6. Now, these are some extremely familiar uh, verses of Scripture, very, very well known. But, you know, as I was praying about the offering tonight, you know, there's some things God asks us to do that we may not have the full understanding of. You know, there's, there's parts even in Scripture where I know the Bible's telling me what to do, and I may not always fully understand all of that, but it's not always my job to understand. I don't just obey the parts of the Bible that I understand. I'm to obey all of it. And, you know, there's a beautiful old hymn, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. And the truth of the matter is this, when we just trust God, even when we don't understand it, and we obey him anyway, there is beautiful blessing in that for us. So Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding. There it is. So it's telling us trust even if you don't understand it and obey him. But look at this, verse 6. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. And so when we acknowledge him, when we obey him, when we follow him in all of our ways, amen, he directs our paths and he has a beautiful way of always directing our paths to making everything fall into place at just the right time and making it all work together for our good. Has anybody else noticed that? That when I obey God, it always works out for my good. It's never to harm me. It's always to help me come out ahead. Can I get an amen tonight? Amen. All right, let's stand up together. Praise God. We are going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings. And then we're going to get into some worship tonight, into the word. And we're going to finish up this evening with communion at the end. It's going to be great. Amen. Let's say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. If you want, you can join us at the altar for worship tonight. And if you can't, let's all put our hands together. I gave the drummer the night off, so you guys are the drummer. Let's all sing. Step out of the shadows. Step out of the grave. Break into the wild. And don't be afraid. Grace is waiting for you. Dance like the weight has been lifted. 
the weight has been lifted. Dance like the weight has been lifted. Grace is waiting for you. Dance like the weight has been lifted. Grace is waiting for you. Dance like the weight has been lifted. Grace is waiting for you. Dance like the weight has been lifted. Grace is where the spirit, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. Let's sing that again. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. One more time. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. Come out of the dark, just as you are, into the fullness of His love. For the Spirit is here, let there be freedom. Let there be freedom. I just want to be and I just want to be where you are and I just want to be near your heart and there is nothing like your love and Jesus there is nothing like your love I just want to be where you are, and I just want to be near your heart, and there is nothing like your love, 
Jesus, there is nothing like your help. Let's just raise our hands for a minute and worship the Lord. Let's sing holy. up and sing that. sing that. understand sometimes we haven't been extremely lovable, but you still loved us anyway, Lord. And while we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for our sins. And we thank you, Lord, for the love that that is. And Lord, I pray tonight that as we open the word of God, we will receive your love. We will receive your word because we know that you aim to make us stronger and to make us better, Lord. And we love you and we praise you for it tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord some more praise tonight. Amen. And you can make your way to your seats this evening. 
Hallelujah. We're going to get into the Word of God together here. Who's excited about that? That was believable. <laughs> Said, who's excited for the Word of God tonight? Amen. All right. Well, praise the Lord. We'll be doing communion at the end of the service. So just reminding you about that. Uh, but we are, uh, hold on to your seats here, people. I don't want anybody to get so excited they fall down or something. But the truth of the matter is this, is with today being the first day of summer, I was praying and I, and, and I just, you know, I felt that it's time for a summer Wednesday night series, everybody. Calm down, calm down. I know. Seems. All right, yeah. Now, last year we did a series all throughout the summer on Wednesday nights called Summer in the Psalms. And this year we're going to be talking about for the next little while about the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. And uh, now this may sound, and really this is, uh, this is very uh, basic Christianity here. This is not super deep. Um, but really, you have got to get a hold of what the fruit of the Spirit is and what it means for your life. And, uh, you know, it seems like a lot of times in children's classes and things like that, they'll teach on the fruit of the Spirit. But really, we haven't taught on it a whole lot for the adults. And it's something that every single one of us needs to know a whole lot about because this should be the picture of our lives. So let's turn to Galatians chapter 4. Five, and we're going to pick it up at verse 22. Amen. Yeah. Galatians 5. And we're going to look here starting at verse 22. Now, if you were to read the previous verses, uh, you would see what is labeled as the, the, the fruit of the flesh, the, uh, the lust of the flesh. And, and it lists a whole bunch of things that take place in a person's life if they are not submitted to the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on to list in verses 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit. And that's what we're talking about here. Who knows how many there are? There's nine. Okay, all right, let's go. All right, okay. I'm glad we're preaching on this then, all right? There's nine through the Spirit, okay? And so let's check it out. We're going to read this list. No doubt you're familiar with it. And then we're going to break it down a little bit, and we're going to learn some stuff tonight. So Galatians 5, verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Here it is. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and last but not least, self-control. And there is no law against these things. All right, so pay attention to these next few things I'm going to say before I get into the outline, because this is pertinent to the message and to the whole series. But the fruit of the Spirit could also be described as the proof of the Spirit. It's the proof that you've got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Now, this isn't the proof that you've been filled with or baptized with the Holy Spirit. And as a Pentecostal, Spirit-filled church, we believe, according to the book of Acts, the evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit or filled with the Holy Spirit is the evidence of speaking in other tongues, all right? Uh, but there's a difference between being 
filled with the Spirit, which is, you know, a, a wonderful uh, new th- addition to your Christianity. But then there's being born of the Spirit. Everybody that's a Christian is born of the Spirit. Jesus referred to this in John chapter 3. He said, hey, you must be born of the Spirit. Now, there's filled with the Spirit also, which again, that's not where I'm going with this. But what I'm saying right now is this, is that the fruit of the Spirit is the proof that you've been born again and you have been born of the Spirit. And the most straightforward way that we could say this is, it's proof that you're a Christian. Because anybody could say, yeah, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. And a lot of people do say that. In fact, statistically speaking, the number of people in the United States that say they're a Christian is still extremely high. But the percentage of people that actually live like a Christian is extremely low. Am I the only one that's noticed that? Yeah, no, it's it's the truth. And so, listen, a lot of people say they're a Christian. Well, I, I must be a Christian. I celebrate Christmas and Easter. That makes me a Christian. My grandma was a Christian. My daddy was a Christian. Therefore, I'm a Christian. Your grandmother being a Christian is not what makes you a Christian. You receiving Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior is what makes you a Christian. And then a lot of people could say, yeah, I I get that. But where's the proof? The proof is when you start loving other people. When you've got joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, this is proof that you're a Christian. Now, there's nine things listed here, as we just said a minute ago, and these are basically the perfect picture of what the Christian life should look like. And so, really, the ideal setting is this, as if I could say, hey, could you describe uh, Leah to me in nine words? And then if somebody could say, yes, if I could describe Leah in nine words, it would be... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, you know, and, and, and these should be the words that describe the Christian life. Amen. If someone's like, well, mean, rude, hateful, unforgiving, stingy, you know, <laughs> then that's, we went wrong somewhere that somewhere we, we missed a turn somewhere along, along the path right there. Amen. Um, now, as we study these out over the coming weeks, you may think to yourself, well, I'm not doing very good in that particular area at all. Well, I'll say this, of course, none of us are perfect in any of these areas, but we're growing. Who in this church and I could say, I'm growing. And one important thing to remember about fruit is that fruit grows, right? I grew up out in the woods and we had a lot of apple trees. We had some pear trees on our property and our woods were full of these mulberry bushes. They were beautiful. And uh, I mean, we had a lot of walnuts. We had all this. But anyway, that's beside the point. The fact of the matter is this. Growing up around a lot of fruit bearing trees, I noticed that none of the times when it, when it was time for the fruit to grow, did it just instantly show up overnight, fully grown, mature fruit. You would see in the springtime, you would see a little bud break forth and it would begin to blossom. And then over the course of several months, all throughout the spring and summer, finally you would get to the fall and you would have fully grown, mature fruit. But it was a process. And it's the same way in your Christian life. Yes, 
We should be seeing all nine of these things in every single one of our lives. But the truth of the matter is, none of us have fully arrived in any of them yet. But they are growing, amen? The fruit is growing. Who in here could say, yes, the fruit is growing in my life? Now, if by the end of the season, the tree hadn't produced mature fruit, you could tell something was wrong, right? I mean... Because apples, apple trees, what do they do? Apple trees grow apples. Pear trees grow pears. Banana trees, well, I don't have one of them, but, you know, they, they start, they grow. The fruit grows on them, amen? Donut trees, what do donut trees do? They grow donuts, everybody, right? And so here's the fact of the matter, though. Um, if it isn't growing any fruit, something went wrong. Apple trees grow apples. Christians grow love. And if, and if you're not growing any love, if there's no love being grown and evident in your life, something is not right. If there's no peace, no patience, no kindness, no goodness, if none of these things, oh, we're, not, we're not judging. Well, technically I am because Jesus told me that I'm supposed to judge a tree by its fruit. And so uh, I take that back. I am. And, and, and if you're not bearing any of the nine fruits that are listed here, Something went wrong somewhere. We should be seeing something there. Do you get what I'm saying tonight? I mean, it's not super complicated, but it is really important for us to see. So bottom line, none of us are perfect in any of these nine things, but no doubt about it. We should be growing in these things and we should most certainly somebody should be able to walk up to the tree of your life and be able to pick off a little bit of joy. Because it should be growing there. Amen? should be growing some love and some patience in these things. So, here's what we're going to do. Tonight, we're going to start off with the first fruit that is listed. Amen? We're going to take one at a time for now. One at a time. And we're going to talk tonight about love. Love. Amen? Who love? Who? Anybody? You, you feeling the love in here tonight? Yeah? Feeling it? All right. Okay, I mean, I just want to make sure that we're on the same page here. Uh, we're going to talk about love, and I proudly say that this is the topic that I preach about the absolute most. And, 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 and when I die, if someone says, man, if all that guy ever preached about was love, then I can die a happy man, brothers and sisters. I like to talk about faith. I like to talk about a lot of things. But I know this much, that love is pretty much the most important thing we can talk about. And so we're going to talk about a few things here tonight regarding love. Not going to go super deep uh, because I want to close out tonight with communion. But let's talk about love being the first fruit of the Spirit. Okay? Number one, it's this. Number one, talking about love, it's the number one way people can tell you're a Christian. The number one way that people can tell you're a Christian. Now, I find it very interesting that it's the very first fruit listed out of the nine. It's the very first one. And I don't believe this is a coincidence. I believe that it's the first fruit listed because it's the very first thing that should start changing on the inside of you. If you used to hate people before you got born again, that should be the, like the first thing you see change right there is, you know what? I just, I don't hate them anymore. It's incredible. I, I've heard so many stories of people that were filled with rage and hate and racism and all sorts of things. And when they got born again, nobody even had to like twist their arm and say, hey, you need to change. Just something on the inside of them began to change right away. And they weren't perfected in it, but like, you know what? I don't 
hate anybody anymore, right? I, I, because it's the fruit of the Spirit. And so, yeah, nobody's perfect, but hey, as a Christian, we hate nobody, correct? You didn't sound convincing on that. Listen, as a Christian, is there anybody that we hate? I hate nobody. Now look at John 13, verses 34 and 35. Let's go. John 13, verses 34 and 35. Amen. Are you having a good time tonight, people? Yeah, you glad you came still? Amen. I'm glad you came. John 13, and we're going to look at verses 34 and 35. And you should know these verses very well if you were here last year because we did a whole Sunday morning summer series called Agape. And we looked at the God kind of love for like eight weeks in a row. I don't, I don't remember. It was a long time. I know that much. And we used these verses every Sunday for a long time. So John 13, verses 34 and 35, the words of Jesus himself. He says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Well, golly, Jesus, what's our new commandment? Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Here it is. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for each other will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And so Jesus said it right there. What is the proof to the rest of the world that you're a disciple of Jesus? Love. Love specifically for who? For each other, right? Now, we love, we, we're supposed to love everybody, right? But Jesus said specifically, your love for each other proves to the world that you're my disciples. Now, he didn't say, if you can quote a whole bunch of scripture, that'll prove to the world that you are a disciple. That's the proof right there. Now, listen, it's a very good thing to be able to quote a whole bunch of scripture, and you should be able to do that, but that's not what proves you're a disciple. He didn't even say, hey, if you go to church all the time, that'll show them, that'll prove it. Do I believe in going to church? Who thinks that I believe in going to church? I strongly believe in going to church very, very much. But at the same time, uh, that is not the proof that you're a Christian, because I found out there's a lot of fakers that go to church too. Oh! But listen, Jesus said that your love for other Christians, for each other, is the proof to the world that you are truly a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, verse 34 says something interesting. It says that our command is not only to love, but to love other people how Jesus loves us. Now, I was sitting there just kind of doodling down ways that Jesus loves us. And there's a lot of ways that Jesus loves us. Have you ever thought about the many different ways that Jesus shows his love to us? Anybody? Anybody care to, you know, I don't ever do this. I never do this. Do I have, I thought I had a microphone in here. I do have a microphone. Okay. So I never do this, but is there anybody, you're not preaching the sermon, you're saying one thing. Is there, is there, uh, you could share a way that Jesus loves us. Adriana, you got to come up here. <laughs> if the camera gets me that close, it could get weird. All right. So a way that Jesus loves us. Uh, by his mercy. Boom. There it is. I love it. Mercy. Yes. He is merciful, isn't he? Who's glad that Jesus is full of mercy? I'm super glad because I have needed that a lot of times. Maxine, you were over here. Did you have something to, did you have a way? 
protection. He protects us. Amen. The love of God. Yes, it protects us. Miss Leah. Amen. I want you to say through his word, because reading um, his promises encourages me and makes me feel safe and loved. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. Back row. I know. Hey, me and Nikki have this understanding because she totally got me one time. Amen. He died on the cross for our sins. He sacrificed. Amen. Anybody else? Because keep in mind, it's probably going to be like 10 years before I do something like this again. Chuck, he is patient. Love is patient. Amen. Rita, he does bless us. Amen. Absolutely. Anybody else? Again, the door's closing. I'm not going to do this again. Charlie? Do you know what he said, Dave? Amen. One more time. Amen. Unconditional love. I love that. Absolutely. That's one of the things that I wrote down. Hallelujah. Joel? Reassurance. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Come on, somebody. Amen. All right. Well, the door closed, so I'm going to move forward now. But, hey, thank you for your help and your participation tonight. Um, Yes, I love a lot of the things that we talked about there. He is merciful. He is patient. Amen. He shows his love through his word. He shows his sacrificial love by dying on the cross. I thought about this. He loves us in truth. He loves truthfully, meaning he'll tell us the truth even if it's not what we want to hear. Now, in 2023, you're told that that's hate speech, but it's actually not. Telling the truth to somebody, even when it's not what they want to hear, is love. Amen? And Jesus loves us enough to tell us the truth because love don't lie. That's incorrect English, and my mother, if she was here, would spank me. But love don't lie. Amen? So... Hallelujah. The world will tell us just the opposite of all this, but we got to remember that God's ways are not the world's ways. Who's grateful for that? And as a Christian, we are like a salmon swimming upstream going against the current, but praise God, if we're doing it his way, we always win every single time. So we're talking about love being the very first fruit of the spirit. Okay, let's get on to number two. Here's this number two. Our love is our witness. Our love is our witness. If you really want to witness to people, show them the love of God. Show them the love of God. There's a famous quote that the Catholics use a lot, but it's a good quote. Uh, St. Francis said, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. And so what's he saying? You're preaching the gospel just by the way that you act, just by the way that you behave. And amen, when you get the chance to even use words, that's a great bonus. But if you if your actions are full of the love of God, amen, you're preaching the gospel all the time. My dad tells this story uh, frequently of when he was a truck driver. There was this one guy he worked with that was rude like 90% of the time. But every now and again, when the guy was just in his witnessing mood, keep in mind, the guy is always rude, never nice, would come by and like, you need Jesus. You ought to go to church. Then he'd walk up. Then he wouldn't say, wouldn't be nice to anybody, wouldn't say hi to anybody for a month. Then he'd get on his kick again later on and come by, you need Jesus. And, and listen, 
Uh, I, I found this. If you're mean and grouchy all the time, nobody wants to hear you preach about Jesus. I mean, it's, just, it's the truth. In fact, I'm going to take it a step further. If you're mean and grouchy all the time, even Jesus doesn't want to hear you preach about Jesus. Why? It's embarrassing. <laughs> if you're like, hey, I represent him. He's like, you know what? What? No, you, don't, you don't represent me. If you're mean and nasty and rude and grouchy and hateful all the time, please, for the love of God, don't go around preaching. I mean, you know, listen, why? Why would we say that? It's a bad reflection on Jesus. If you're nice and loving and kind and you've got love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, listen, preach every day, brother, sister, amen, because the fruit is what actually matters. And your actions speak louder than your words. Anybody notice that? You ever had somebody that, you know, that they live a certain way all the time that they want to come talk to you about something? Like, I'm sorry. I see your actions. I, I don't want to. I don't want to hear about that. I, I don't. I really don't. So you're selling a product that clearly, you know, you don't use, right? Uh, uh, why are you selling the product? You should use it yourself, first of all, right? I was thinking about this time in college, Pastor Katie and I, when we worked at Dish Network. We worked in the call center, and I was really good at my job. Actually, I was really bad at it. So anyway, uh, I just, I don't like getting yelled at. And so if you work in customer service, especially in a call center, and especially when someone's TV went out, they get very angry. People enjoy their TV. And uh, I guess at this point in time, they enjoy the other things better. But anyway, this one time, one of my coworkers came up to me and just, I'm, I'm on a phone call. And he taps me on the shoulder and slips me a note. And I'm like, weird not used to dude slipping me a note but hey let's go and so i open up the note and and basically the note says hey um you know can i talk to you after work uh i my life's a mess and i see the way that you and katie live your lives and whatever it is that you have i want it and i'm telling you i never preached to this guy before i never witnessed to this guy before he was just like hey something is different about you two than anybody else here and i took that as the greatest compliment i've ever received in my life we had evidently preached the gospel to this guy even without using words he just saw our lives and i'm like that's an honor man and so you better believe yeah we met after work and we gave him the gospel he received jesus and we got him into church and everything else and it was incredible but isn't that the ideal way is is our lives should be displaying the fruit of the spirit and when you got good fruit people want to come and get some of that right they want to pick some of that and that's the way that it should be amen and so the love of god let's look here at matthew chapter 5 verses 14 through 16 matthew 5 14 through 16 amen are we enjoying ourselves this evening matthew 5 verses 14 through 16 now, these verses right here don't specifically uh, refer directly to the love of God, but I believe that there's a lesson in this that we need to pull out of it. So Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16, and Jesus says this. This is from the incredible, most famous sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. Wow. 
You're the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Nobody lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. Let your good deeds. I I believe this encompasses the love of God because you're not going around doing good deeds if you're a little hater, right? This is the love of God. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Amen. And so when we've got the love of God, have you ever been around somebody that they're just, they are so full of God that it's like the love of God is just shining forth out of them. And they didn't even have to tell you, but you're like, that is, that person's got Jesus. That person is full of the love of God. Well, why is that? Because Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Amen. And then he tells you right here that you are the light of the world. And and how do we let that light shine? The fruit of the Spirit. And especially the love of God, it is shining in a dark world. Do you understand that? That in a world full of hate and all these other crazy things, the love of God is a bright light in a dark world. Love is our witness and love will eventually win people over. And I, I'm talking about God's kind of love, not the generic, you know, whatever, made up, pretend. We're talking about God's kind of love. There's an incredible story of Smith Wigglesworth. Anybody any, who, who loves Smith Wigglesworth? Who's heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Okay, very good. So Smith Wigglesworth was a very famous preacher in the early part of the 20th century. And he was from England. But before Smith got saved before he became a Christian. He was actually a super mean guy and he was especially mean to his wife. He got really annoyed with her all the time because she was a very uh, on fire for God Christian. She went to church all the time and it made him mad. It made him mad. She was so nice that it annoyed him and made him angry. And so I'm going to read, uh, I'm going to read from his own words. He wrote this. He said, this is what he told his wife one day. You go to church too much. He told his wife, you're not allowed to go to church anymore. He said, I know enough about the Bible to know this, that the man is the head of the wife. You have to obey me. And I said, don't go to church. So you're not going to church anymore. Who would want to be married to a guy like that? What a, <laughs> wow. She smiled sweetly and said, now Smith, <laughs> you're the head of this house. And you are my husband. Whatever you say in the house goes. And you know as well as I do that I do not neglect you or the kids or the house in any way. But you are not my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. And the Bible tells us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. The Bible tells me to go to church and I'm going to church right now. And he, he said, I, I told her, if you go tonight, I'm locking you out of the house. You're not getting back in. So she went right along, grabbed her Bible and went to church. He said, and I locked her out. <laughs> she didn't have a key and couldn't get back in. The next morning I came downstairs, opened the door, and there she was all bundled up in her coat, leaning back against the door. We're talking about London here. It's cold. And so she slept on the front porch all night, bundled up. 
She'd been there all night. When I opened the door, she almost fell inside of the kitchen. But she hopped up, smiled, and said, Hello, dear. How are you this morning? (laughs) Which made him even more mad. (laughs) She was so kind and sweet, but I would have felt better if she had just chewed me out a little bit. She didn't. She just got up and asked, What would you like for breakfast, honey? And then she fixed my favorite breakfast. And so out of all of this, it was a series of events like this that he eventually cracked down and received Jesus himself and went on to have one of the most influential ministries of the entire century. Several people were raised from the dead under his ministry, and he preached and traveled all over the world. But what if his wife was not full of the love of God? What if she had to retaliate? What if, You know, all these things, but the love of God cracked through that hardened heart and he received Jesus. It all started with his wife being a born-again Christian and having the fruit of the Spirit. Who wants another fun fact about love? Let's go. Hey, if we don't love other people, we don't even know God. Fun fact. Yeah. If we don't love other people, you don't even know God. Well, why would you say something like that? I didn't say it. First John chapter 4 says it. Let's flip over there. First John 4, amen? Verses 7 and 8. First John 4, verses 7 and 8, amen. Now, I remember my dad teaching these verses to me as a little kid. He had a song that he did with this, and that's how I learned this. And, uh, and that's a great way to learn scripture. Put it to song, amen? <laughs> so First John 4, verses 7 and 8. And this is some hard-hitting truth from the Apostle John, and it is the Word of God for us. 1 John 4, verses 7 and 8. It says, Dear friends, or beloved, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Amen. Verse 8. But anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? For God is love. God is love. If you had to define God in one word, and there's a lot of words I would like to, you know, all-powerful, almighty, omniscient, omnipotent, lots of great words that describe God. But if you only had one word, I would have to choose love. Because that's what it says right here. God is love love, agape love, the, his definition of love, not our definition of love. And so if we don't love others, we don't know God at all. Hate is the exact opposite of who God is. And so if I had to describe the devil in one word, I would probably choose hate because it's the exact opposite of what God is. If God is love, Satan is definitely hate. You can't be full of hatred and meanness and full of God at the same time. Why is that? Well, one of them will force the other one out. If I had had hate inside of me before I got full of God, what would happen? The God on the inside of me, the Holy Spirit, would push that hate right out of me, man. They can't coexist together. Now, if I have had, you know, if I want to be full of God on the inside, but I'm so full of hate that I won't let the love of God dominate, they will not coexist. You can let, by your own choice, that hate push the God right out from the inside of you. 
that's a terrible thing to think about. But I just know this much. I can't have both. Of the, I can't have both. I, it's got to be one or the other. And I got to choose love. I have to choose love. And it's, it's, it, that's a challenge, isn't it? Because it's not always easy to love and forgive everybody. Why? Because, well, they don't deserve it. And they aren't as nice as you are, are they? You're perfect, but they're not. And that's hard when you're perfect, isn't it? The struggle is real for all of all these perfect people sitting around. But I got to remember people uh, of that all the time too, that, hey, you are not perfect and you have made mistakes somewhere along the way. And you really like it when Jesus is merciful and forgiving towards you. And so I've been told that I am required as a Christian to forgive others in the same way that I have been forgiven. Look at verses 20 and 21, same chapter. Verses 20 and 21, it says, If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person's a liar. John is just so, I mean, he took the gloves off. He said, for if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God who we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. And so as much as we're required to love everybody, as much as we should love the sinners and we should, as much as we should love the haters and the blasphemers and the evil people, we should love everybody. But undeniably, scripture tells us time and time again, you are especially required to love fellow believers, fellow Christians, fellow disciples. And so... If I want to find a Christian, I'm going to try to find somebody that has the love of God. That's where I'm going to try to find a Christian. And the third thing tonight is this. Talking about love, the first fruit of the Spirit. Check this out. Love is a major key to getting our prayers answered. Love is a major key to getting our prayers answered. And and a lot of people don't equate how they go together. But they go together hand in hand. And it's based off of Galatians 5, 6 and other verses. But Galatians 5, 6, specifically in the King James. I love the the King James. I love this right here. Now, some of the other translations will say that faith expresses itself through love. Amen. But Galatians 5, 6 in the King James. It tells us, for in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. What, well, what, what avails, what matters? It's our faith which works by love. Now, I've said this a million times, but listen, our prayers get answered by faith. They get answered by the power of God and by your faith. And when those two things connect, miracles happen. But here's the deal. My faith doesn't work if I don't love other people. Faith works by love. And there's a lot of people, man, they're quoting scriptures. They're standing on the word. They're memorizing. They're they're doing a lot of the right things. But they still aren't getting answers to their prayers. They still aren't receiving breakthrough for the things that they need in their life. And they're like, well, why is it? Well, I'll tell you why right here. 
because you don't love other people. Yes, I do. No, you love them by your own definition. That doesn't count. You know, I'm nice to everybody that's nice to me. You're good to me. I'll be good to you. Simple as that. Well, that's lame. (laughs) That doesn't count. Jesus said, even sinners love other people that love them. But we're not sinners, are we? We're Christians. We're children of God. And so the way that we are required to love other people is agape love. And that means loving other people unconditionally. They're mean to me. I am required to be nice and loving to them anyway. They're nice to me. I am required to be nice and loving to them. It makes no difference how they treat me as a Christian I still love you, and I still treat you nice. Now, are there some people that I prefer to be around more so than others? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. I like to be around nice people. (laughs) I like to be around polite and loving people. But I don't hate you, and I'm not going to treat you bad, even if you treat me bad, because that's not the love of God. And so, Jesus, 1 Peter chapter 2 23 and 24 is beautiful but i love it it says that he did not retaliate against these people even when they were leading him to his death he didn't defend himself he didn't retaliate he didn't do any of that that's the example that we are supposed to have the love of god is an absolute key to us getting our prayers answered you guys hear us talk about kenneth hagan a lot around here probably and uh, there's a good reason for that. I mean, he's, I mean, the massive mentor in our faith. And a lot of people have, you know, called him the father of the modern faith movement. And so I love Kenneth Hagin so much. His teachings are what showed my parents how to get me healed of leukemia. I mean, uh, no doubt about it. The word of God that he taught is what showed them how to fight the good fight of faith. But he received a lot of heat for his teachings on faith because, you know, doubt he is hardcore on faith. But one thing that even his haters had to admit about Kenneth Hagin is that he was a man of great love. Nobody could say about Kenneth Hagin, well, he just treats people bad and he doesn't love people. No matter what people said about him, he would refuse to retaliate or say mean things back. Sounds like a weakling to me. No, it sounds like a man of God that helped change this entire world. That's what it sounds like to me. And if people cursed him, people they would write bad newspaper articles. They would do all sorts of things. And people would say, aren't you even going to defend yourself? And he had a saying, he's like, if they accused me of killing my own grandma, I wouldn't take the time to stop and deny it. Haters are going to hate, right? He didn't say that. I mean, I, that's kind of a newer thing. But anyway, <laughs> haters going to hate. But Christians are going to love. Amen. And I don't, as if you're going to be like that, I don't even need to take the time to stop and defend myself and, you know, whatever. You hate me, that's fine. I love you. One time a woman, she was actually a witch, came up to my dad in Indiana and was like, I hate your guts. And my dad was like, I love you. And he put his arms and hugged her. Then he cast the demon out of her. It was great. But anyway, uh, true story, true story. But listen, the love of God, amen. Listen, it doesn't seek its own way. It doesn't retaliate. The love of God is the very first fruit of the spirit that we should see popping up 
in our lives. I believe that it was listed as the number one thing for a really good and really important reason. And so we're going to take the coming weeks to study the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, I pray that you'll you know connect with this with us. But our whole theme for 2023 has been letting our roots go down into Him. Uh, have you noticed that? I mean, everything we're doing is preaching about growing up in the Lord, growing up spiritually. And the fruit of the Spirit is not the deepest topic in the Bible, but it is absolutely something that we all need to get a hold of. If you want to prove to people that you're a Christian, love will be the number one way that you can prove that. And we're going to get into these other areas in the weeks to come. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Praise God. Amen. Speaking of love, we are going to receive communion together tonight. And I uh, I encourage anybody that's watching online to join us in communion also. We'd love for you to do that. And uh, communion, though, listen, this is a time that we want to have a pure heart before the Lord. And I believe I've made it evident uh, the uh, importance of being respectful during communion, according to 1 Corinthians 11. The Apostle Paul said that, hey, you don't disrespect the body and blood of the Lord. And so as we do communion tonight, I'm not a stick in the mud. I'm not an old prune and a, you know, mean old man. But I do want our church to take communion in a very reverent and holy way. And so let's go ahead tonight and you can come on up, get the elements. And then uh, you can make your way back to your seats unless you want to be up here. And then I've got something very special I want us to do as a church family after communion tonight. Amen. So let's go ahead. You can come on up and and, uh, get the elements. Amen. Let's go. to us out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 tonight. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 27 says, So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Now, I don't want to commit any sins ever, period. But I certainly don't want to sin against the blood of Jesus. That would be a very, very 
not smart thing to do. And so verse 28 says, that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That's why many of you are weak and sick and some people have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. And so we're gonna take just a minute here tonight to examine and judge ourselves. And if the Lord's showing you anything that you need to repent of, anything you need to change, maybe he's showing something that you need to start doing, whatever it is, this is your time to talk to the Lord. And if we need to ask forgiveness and repent, let's do that right now, amen? Let's take a minute to examine ourselves. Corinthians eleven twenty six, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to remember me. So tonight we take this bread, Lord, and understand that it represents your body, which is broken for us. We do this in remembrance of you, Jesus. he took the cup of wine after supper saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood do this to remember me as often as you drink it so Jesus we take this tonight and we understand that this represents your blood which paid the price for our sins so Jesus we thank you for paying for our sins and we do this tonight in remembrance of you thank you Jesus special tonight, I guess. So just stay reverent with me for a minute. Um, Can I have Jamie, can you come up with me? So Jamie, we're excited about this. Um, Her granddaughter was born on Monday, right? On Monday? Yeah, amen. And so we've been excited about this. Um, And I know you're like, she's a grandma. Yes, you know, we've been laughing about that all week. But she's a grandma. So uh, 
so the the doctors knew before the baby was born they detected i don't i don't want to get into all the medical stuff because i'll probably say it wrong but they could tell something uh prenatal was you know wrong with one side of her heart the left side of her heart yeah and so they they were very concerned and saying you know they said all sorts of things so uh the baby was scheduled to be induced uh on the 25th and uh, mommy uh, went into labor on Monday naturally and had the baby at and Barstow. And so uh, we were, and, and the, the great news is the doctors are like, whoa, she's breathing okay. She's, I mean, she's, things are going great. And so uh, we, we're very excited. Pastor Katie and I got down there and we were able to pray with her when she was just like three hours old as they uh, took her. And so they've transported her down to Loma Linda. She's still doing great several days later um, they are going to do a pretty important surgery on Friday and they're saying it's about a, up to eight hours of surgery to uh, get her little tiny heart where it needs to be she's breathing well her heart's pumping she's in wonderful health and um, she she was a very healthy weight seven and a half pounds which the doctors are like that's huge that's huge that improves her chances it, naturally speak we know she's got a hundred percent chance the doctor said that that brings her chances up to like 95%. They were saying if she was half that way, they would give her like a 40% chance. And so this is, she's doing so wonderful. But as uh, as we've been talking about Jamie, it was on my heart. In the book of Acts, um, the apostle Paul, uh, there was such anointing in his life and in his prayers that literally, if he just laid hands on a piece of clothing or a cloth, the King James said, called it handkerchiefs, he would lay hands on it. They would take that cloth to the sick person and just lay that and miraculous thing, people would get healed. And uh, it's a Bible thing. And in fact, my church in Oklahoma, where I went to college, Rama Bible Church with Kenneth Hagan, every week they would bring in cloths and they would lay hands on them and take them to sick people and see miracles all the time. Well, it's not something we do all the time because I don't want it to be just a ritual, but I felt led uh, this week that that's what we are to do. We're going to lay hands on something. And so I asked Jamie, and so we've got uh, right over here, she brought it in. We've got little baby blanket for little Alea Grace, amen, and little mittens that she's going to have on. And so I didn't want to just, I wanted the family, this is a family thing, right? Are we a family around here? Amen. We could have just done this anytime, but I wanted every, I wanted you guys to hook your faith up with us, amen. And so we're going to lay hands on these by faith in the name of Jesus, not my name, not this church's name, the name of of Jesus. We're laying hands on this and we're going to, she's going to take this down there to little baby Alea and she can just snuggle this. And we believe that the anointing of God is going into her little body and they're going to do this surgery. It's going to be successful and she is living a long, healthy, wonderful life. Amen. Who can be in agreement with me on this tonight? Amen. So Jamie, let's lay hands on this together. You guys stretch your hands forward with this tonight. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're not just doing something for show here. We're not just doing some symbolic thing, Lord. This is real. And just like in the book of Acts, when the apostle Paul did this, Lord, and even Peter, it says when he just walked down the street, his shadow would cross over sick people and they would get healed sitting in the streets. Lord, we know that the anointing of God is a real thing. It is not something 
something that was just in the Bible 2,000 years ago. This is a very real thing because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same Jesus that was anointed in the Bible is the same Jesus that's alive today. And so, Lord, we're laying hands on this little blanket, on these little mittens in faith, and we're doing it in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And we say that as this blanket, as this cloth just touches her little body, Lord, we're thankful for the miracles that have already taken place. But Lord, we're thanking you that we're seeing the completed work in the name of Jesus. The anointing of God is going to be right there. The presence of God is going to be all over this little girl. And we know, Lord, that as the doctors do their part, you are doing your part, Lord. And she is 100% not only making it through this surgery, it's going to be 100% successful. And Lord, she is living a long life, a healthy life, a perfect heart and lungs and organs and everything else. And she's going to grow up, Lord, and she's going to be a miracle. And we're all going to point to you and say, Jesus gets the glory. And we thank you that she's living for you all of her days in the name of Jesus. We thank you that it's done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord some praise tonight? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We're grateful that we know the word of God. Amen. I love that. Well, praise the Lord. Um, we'll go ahead and I'll, if you need prayer, I'll have my prayer team come on up. I know we've gone a little bit into overtime here, but do I feel bad? No, I don't. It's the first day of summer. It's the longest day of the year. You get, you're getting like 10 extra minutes of daylight. So, all right, praise God. Uh, if you need prayer, come on up. Our prayer team will pray for you. And if not, uh, just worship the Lord right there for a few minutes. Amen. Pastor Josh, go ahead and lead us in one more. I just want to be where you are And I just want to be near your heart And there is nothing like your love And Jesus, there is nothing like your love There is nothing like 
There is nothing like your love. 
Thank you for being patient with us tonight as we are able to pray for some of your family members right here. Amen. Isn't it great to be a part of a family, part of a house that cares about each other, loves each other. We are in faith with each other. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to close out here. Uh, be here this Sunday. Amen. It's going to be great. And uh, we got a whole wonderful summer ahead of us. So uh, let's uh, amen. Stick with it. And we know that uh, God's got some great things in store for us. Amen. Let's pray. And then we'll do our Barstow Faith Confession. Father, in Jesus name, we thank you, Lord, for what we have seen and the word.
word of God tonight. And Lord, it's the truth, Lord, that love is going to be the very first fruit that we see growing in our lives as born-again Christians. And so I thank you, Jesus, that we're all growing in this. And we understand that none of us are are, uh, perfect, Lord, but we are growing. And we thank you, Jesus, that we are submitted to you. Use us this week, Father, to show that love to the world around us. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, can someone say amen? Amen. All right. Let's speak some words of faith over Barstow tonight. Let's go. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we'll see you Sunday.